Hey, I'm Savannah Weber, and I'm passionate about all things small business and marketing. The truth is running a small business is hard, and I want to share success stories and hurdles of everyday entrepreneurs. Pull up a seat and together, let's learn what it takes to build a small revolution. On today's episode, I welcome Carla Morris, the owner of Frugal Hanger and local reseller of clothing and accessories from the 50s to 90s. Since she graduated high school, she's been behind the chair in the salon. But coming from a long line of antiquers, she's also sold secondhand finds on eBay and Instagram. But when COVID hit, she wasn't sure when she'd be back behind the chair. And coupled with salon burnout, she took it as a sign to go full-time reselling. We talk about her decision to pivot, tricks to her trade, selling on Instagram, and what's next for her business. I wanted to bring her on because she made a little shift or change, pivot during the pandemic. Can you talk a little bit about your business and what happened? Well, um, I currently have an Instagram shop where I sell new and used clothing, housewares. I worked in the salon industry for 23 years prior. And when COVID happened, I was very intimidated by what was going to happen as far as keeping people safe. And truth be told, I was ready for a break. So for me, it was a natural transition to go right into doing this because I'd done it part-time like off and on for probably eight years. So, oh wow, I didn't know you had been doing that for eight years. Yes, I sold on eBay for a long time before that. I would, f- I've always went to the thrift store, garage sales, antique stores. So, you know, I've always looked for things and I would find things. Some things I would keep, some things I would be like, Ugh, this isn't for me, but it will be for somebody definitely. So, mm-hmm. I did. I sold on eBay for a long time and that was fun, but there was not the personal connection with people. So, I was looking more for that when I started my Instagram account. How long ago did you start your Instagram account? I believe I've had it for three years. It's I've grown very slowly. I would not to, say that for like a regional Instagram platform. You have a lot of followers. I do. It's it's really been a blessing because the Instagram community is fantastic. They're welcoming. We're all basically in the same boat. So it's been a great transition. And the word of mouth is what's really done it for me and helped me grow through the Instagram platform. So I have noticed that the vintage thrifted, that whole community, you guys just have each other's back and you're constantly hyping each it other is. up. And it it's is. really cool to see. I, you know, major corporations have TV commercials. We have each other. Like that is pretty much what we have to help boost each other up. I'm like, I don't have a, a giant budget to promote myself. So like, hey, you help me, I'll help you. It's a great reciprocal type of relationship that you build with people, and I'm so thankful for it. It's really cool to see. So where did your interest in thrifting come from? <laughs> well, um, I come from a long line of junk-type folks. What? <laughs> Junkers, antiquers, garage sailors. My grandpa owned an auction house when... I want to say they owned it before when I was very young. I don't recall it. I know where the building was, but he was always somebody looking to make a dollar. So he would buy something and sell it to somebody else for a little bit extra. And 
Honestly, I think that's where most of it comes from. My mom, same way. She would drag us to garage sales all summer. So I was like, well, there's no need for me to go buy things at a big store. I would just go to the garage sale, thrift store, places like that. And I've always managed to fill whatever need I needed for home decoration, clothing, whatever. So I thought, well... I'm cheap and wow. so it's <laughs> like family out. history and it's like it's yes. it's like you've been practicing that lifestyle for yes. so long so you know like what yes. to buy what looks good. Yep. And my uncle, this was my mom's younger brother. He would take us to flea markets on the weekends, tractor shows, you know, we would go to all that stuff. And as a kid, you know, you're kind of like oh my god, not again, <laughs> but as I got older, I started to see the value in it. And even in high school like I had no uh, desire to dress like everybody else. So the best way to not look like everybody else is to go to the thrift store and take everybody else's cast offs. And I I had a short-term experience working at a nonprofit that really opened my eyes to the amount of things that are wasted every day. It's staggering when you see when when you go to a a thrift store, anything like that, the amount of things that are on the shelf Imagine three times that never even sees the front of the store. I it's and there's times where it is overwhelming. You know, I would go in there to help, and I would just be like, "Oh my gosh, I just emptied this bin out like four days ago, and it's heaped up, you know, taller than me." And you know, there's a lot of stuff that it's fast fashion. People love it today, tomorrow, you know. It's in the trash. It's out of here. Oh, it has a hole. I can't fix it. I'm like, oh, trust me. Everybody can, you can fix anything. (laughs) Anything can be fixed. I know. Even that's fascinating for me when you post things and you're like, yeah, I mended this. I mended that. I'm Mm -hmm. like, man. Well, yesterday I tried to convince Frank. I was like, come look what I'm doing. It's like art. And he goes, what is it? And I said, I'm darning a sweater. And he goes, that sounds like an old lady thing. (laughs) I was like, thank you. How old's Frank? He's five. Oh, Yeah. So he was like, no, that is not. He's like, this is not interesting. This is not arts and crafts. You're crazy woman. So yes, those things are very fascinating to me. And there's a reason why um, the older the clothes, the more valuable they are because there was not near the turnover in that type of article of clothing. You know, in the 50s, you had four dresses and two tops and two pairs of pants and that was it. So you did mend things. Now... And they're made much better. Yes. um, Now you, you know, oh, well... I rip the seam out of my pants. I'll just go get one of my other 35 pairs of pants. Right. And it's, I'm guilty of it. Oh, fully me, guilty I'm guilty it, too. So. But I love the clothes that you sell. Like You're just, you have such an eye for it too. It, it's hard. It's such a competitive market right now. There's, there's very much niche, you know, if you're into like pre-50s fashion or if you're into the mod stuff. I personally am into more, as much as I can, American-made fashion whether that means it's from the 40s or it's from the 90s, you know, that is something that is, you're seeing it grow again, but it's not something that is very widely manufactured through the United States. So to me, that's what I try to focus as much as I can on that. Okay, so any like, I know I don't want to give away all your trade secrets, (laughs) but anything that people might find interesting about how to be good at your craft? 
When it comes to shopping in a thrift store, I think it's best to go in with an open mind. Most people that I encounter will say things like, I never find anything good. And, you know, and I get that. That can be very discouraging. But when I go, I know what I'm looking for. So for me, I go in, I anything that looks interesting goes in the cart. And then I used to go to the dressing room and I called it my office. <laughs> And I would sift through things. Well, now all the dressing rooms are closed. So now I just go find a corner in the store where I can be like, okay, are there holes? Are there stains? So I want to look over things before I purchase them. But when you go, have an open mind. You know, people want trendy things and they're like, oh, they don't have anything new. I have picked up so many things brand new with tags from major labels that I'm like, yes, you can. You just have to look. And the value is there. Plus, you're keeping things out of a landfill. You know, it's a multi-beneficial thing to go through a thrift store. And anything that you're looking for now in household fashion, styling, it's all ripe for the taking. It all is there. You just have to go and say, today, this is, you know, make yourself a list and say, I'm looking for placemats, you know, some wall art, and just hit those areas. If you try to look at everything, you get extremely overwhelmed. So do you think when you're shopping that you're keeping your target audience in mind? Or are you actually leading the trends? You know what I mean? Are you deciding (laughs) what you want people to buy? Or are you buying for your target audience or both? I do a little bit of both. I definitely take my cues from what I see happening. You can go to Marshall's, walk through the home goods department of Marshall's and say, okay, well, macrame, plants, you know, native woods, all those things are huge right now. I can go right across the street to the Goodwill and go look through the housewares and find a lot of that type of stuff, natural fabrics. You just have to kind of know what you're looking for. but And patience. And yes, you have to have patience. But I think as far as trend setting or following trends, I used to only shop for what I liked. And that's hard because my taste isn't going to be everybody's taste. So I kind of had to broaden my scope. And that's where I did start to take cues more from what I saw happening, you know, in home magazines, things like that, what I saw people asking for, what I saw people selling. But then you can kind of put your own twist on it. Like, I would go buy things that nobody would give a second glance to and pair it with something that was very popular. And then all of a sudden people are like, I want that. So... You have to have a little bit of a healthy balance of both. Yeah, I have noticed from a marketing standpoint, your shift in how you lay things out Mm -hmm. on Instagram has Mm -hmm. changed some. It is. And I feel like that's something that's kind of ever evolving just because the algorithm, the dreaded algorithm, you know, everybody talks about it. And I, some days I almost am like, I will shun it. I'm like, I don't care. I don't care what the algorithm says that I should do or shouldn't do because you can toy with it too. You can change posting a picture of your face versus posting a picture of a potted plant. Get two completely different reactions based off of what you're generally posting. So it is. It's like a game of cat and mouse a little bit. You have to... You have to play the field, you know, you yeah, have to it know is. What It's works. like you have to be consistent, but you also have to be varied. It's like, oh, it is. Yes. This is weird balancing game. I was even hesitant to switch to a business account because I'm like, I don't want to see the insights. I don't want to get caught up in all of that. But it is beneficial 
because it kind of teaches you what does work, what definitely doesn't work. You know, I have had some days where I'm just like, what did I do wrong here? Like this <laughs> it totally happens to all of us. Yeah. <laughs> but then other days, people love personal content too. The more you behind know, it, the scenes, your oh, I mean, yes. and you talking your face. Yeah. I mean, that is something I don't <laughs> I don't talk much because and even doing this, I was like, oh my God, I hate the sound of my voice. <laughs> Can I get Everybody's, a voiceover from this? <laughs> Everybody says that too. You are not alone. <laughs> but you know, kind of putting your own spin on things and being transparent. It's not, you know, I think we are so conditioned to see major brands that are not, there is nothing personal about them. They are coming completely from a marketing standpoint. And they just have the dollars to push whatever to get in front of your face. so. So when you can be human with somebody and people see that human side of it, that is where a big shift happens in the traction that you get. And I hate, I hate to know that I know that, but it's important to know that. And I am somebody because of what I did previously, you know, you work in a salon, your life's an open book, your client's life is an open book. I didn't book, think so about that. I have always had a job that was geared more towards I have to sell myself. I have to put my best foot forward. So whether it was being a waitress in high school, working in a salon, that was like, you are your, you are the product. You have to sell yourself. So what is your dream for the business? Like, where do you see this headed? Well, a year ago, I would have just said, I'm okay with doing this part-time, selling something here and there. This is great. While you're doing hair? While I did hair and, you know, clients would come in and my salon was half and half. Like, do you want to buy something or do you want to get your bangs trimmed? It's your choice. (laughs) Um, So a year ago, I don't know what I would, I would have been perfectly fine. But when everything kind of shifted, I just told myself, I'm like, okay, this is your chance. You know you can do I could do it. I supplemented my income for years with things here and there. So I knew I'm like, this will just take the place of what I've been doing. So I did purchase a domain name. Yay. Um, what is it? It is thefrugalhanger.com. So same as my username on Instagram. Um, so I'm kind of working towards at least having some content online as far as a website, because with Instagram, things are changing constantly. And I, I've spoke to several different people that have accounts, larger accounts that are all like, this is the natural trajectory for somebody here, because you can't count on a platform that's here today to be there tomorrow. Or to make sure your content's being seen to who you want it to be seen. Yes, exactly. But I've also been very fortunate this year to have Courtney at Abode offer me very graciously a space in her store to have my items. And it's been great. And I will say I I could do better at stocking it, but sometimes it's been about finding a balance this year. How do yeah, that's I that's a great collaboration? I oh, mean it is. her selling used and new mm-hmm. um furniture, housewares, and then new clothes, and then to have your yes. vintage clothing in there. As soon as she mentioned having clothes, she said she goes, I want you to have at least one, you know, whatever you're comfortable with having, great. Um it's done much better than I expected, just because you don't know. You see so many times in 
I don't consider Defiance a small town <laughs> coming from Paulding. So, <laughs> but, you know, relatively speaking, it's small and downtown areas, while they're seeing a rejuvenation, there's still a disconnection that happens between the consumer and where they think they're like, do I go to Kohl's or do right. I they go to downtown? Yeah. And that is a hard choice to make. But I've always been somebody who I like to see people spending their dollars where they live with their neighbors versus no offense to Kohl's. I always I mentioned Kohl's is always like my go-to. I'm like Kohl's. Ugh. <laughs> I love Kohl's for some things, yes, but I yeah, too. again, I would so much rather support someone I know. I know their yes. family. I know how hard that they're working to grow their business. Right. They're the ones that are, you know, their taxes are being paid mm-hmm. in the community. Their yep. kids are going to school. It just it feels better. I just think consumers are very conditioned to do what's, con- you know, it's about convenience. That is, the market has been driven by convenience for years, whether it's Amazon, Kohl's, Walmart, wherever. So shoppers, and I am so, I went through many years where I was guilty of it. I was a lazy shopper. I was like, eh, this works. I'll just go to Walmart and get everything I need. They have everything yep, same. here. Yep. So as I've grown over the last even 10, 15 years and having friends that had businesses, it was easier for me to make that transition. Even if I was paying more for something, I knew where that extra money was going. So it kind of was just natural for me, especially with what I did with all the secondhand stuff. I thought, well, I want you to support me and yeah, someone that's a to support good, you too. Yes, yeah. exactly. Exactly. So yeah, I do see a website in my future. Um, I always think about a brick and mortar like outside of my home because right now my attached garage that was converted into a salon is becoming my space where you will be able to shop by appointment so you can come and look through all the things that you don't see <laughs> that don't fit There's in the squares. There's more things oh than on your oh squares. Yes. What? <laughs> it's gotten to a point where my husband just looks out there and he's like, I'm not sure what's out there. I'm like, this is my retirement. Please. <laughs> this is called a 401k that you can look at. It's just love right it. here. So, so yeah, that is kind of the next natural step. Things are pretty close to being done, but there's a few things that need to be hammered out that I want it to be just right. I don't... I don't want to open and then still feel like I'm hastily getting things put together. I want it to have a certain look. So I'm trying really hard to get that finished Yay. this week. <laughs> well, keep us posted when that starts. Yeah, absolutely. I have seen some brick and mortar, even like outside of their home brick and mortar places, going to that kind of either appointment or pop-up yes. shop method. Yes. Um, I just saw a furniture store in Michigan. They're only open four weekend or is it four times a month? Mm-hmm. And I was like, oh, wow, it kind of built, it gives them time to set the stage. It does. And to um, put all their efforts into the way things look. And mm-hmm. then it also drives that kind of like, and like, oh, I better get there while what they're open. You, it is. You know, that is, that is one of the biggest things I've noticed with pop-ups. I think that's why pop-ups are so successful because it's an ever-changing, you know, look that you don't ever know what's going to be there from one to the next. And I had two opportunities this summer to do pop-ups. And due to COVID, one was canceled and one, my grandma had broke her hip like right before. So I was trying to be extra safe and careful and I decided I need to pull and not go. Yeah. Okay. Question. So do you miss doing hair? I thought about this question the longest of all of them because I do. I did it for 23 years. That is half my life. Um, 
So yes, I miss that type of creativity, but also it had become toxic for me because I had a salon at my house. You know, my clients, most of them I had seen for on average 10 years. So they made that transition from being a client to being a friend. And there were a lot... A lot of people who I think I allowed to take advantage, people did not take advantage of me. I allowed it to happen because having a salon at your house, well, what days are you working? And now granted, you have to remember, I had had a a baby a year after I opened the salon at the house. So he was there. Like he was, (laughs) I I have been a lucky person to never have to take either of my kids to a sitter. Wow. They just kind of, I like schlepped them along the way. I'm like, come on, let's go. So I had Frank with me all the time. He was getting older. It was getting harder for me to have him out there. And then I was kind of allowing clients to dictate my schedule where I had had a set schedule. So I was suffering from major burnout. And when everything shut down, you know, there were a lot of people who were devastated. And I, you know, truthfully so, I would have been had I been maybe in a different mindset. But when I knew I was going to have, I'm like, okay, I'll be closed for a month, you know, because at that point, I'm like, it'll be like, what, maybe a month. So I thought, okay, a month, this will be a good vacation. So that's when I kind of ramped up things selling online because I needed something to offset that income loss. Um, The more days I was away from it, the less I thought about it. And I took that kind of as a sign that if nothing else, this is a good like separation, but I do miss it. I miss my clients. I get text messages from them occasionally, um, phone calls. So it's nice to know that that connection is still there. Thank you so much, Carla, for sharing your journey with us. I'm excited to visit the Frugal Hanger store when it's open and see where this takes you. Thanks for listening today. You can follow Carla on Instagram at The Frugal Hanger or find her information on the show notes at smallrevolutionpodcast.com. If you missed the last episode of Small Revolution Podcast, we talked to Brooke Gordon about building her brand from the grassroots up and her passion for wellness. Check it out. And if you're on Apple Podcasts, you can search Small Revolution and click subscribe so you don't miss an episode. Talk to you soon.